Before we start today's show, I want to invite you to join my community of SaaS founders, agency owners, and others who are sharing tips, tricks, strategies, and tactics for creating successful cold outreach campaigns. It's a free group on Facebook called Cold Outreach Mastery, and you can get there by heading over to morgandwilliams.com slash community. And if Facebook isn't your thing, but you still want valuable cold outreach advice, head on over to morgandwilliams.com slash newsletter and put in your best email to get first in line for valuable resources that I share on how you can fill your calendar with sales meetings and your pipeline with opportunities. Now, let's start today's show. In this episode, I speak with a lead gen pro who has developed a playbook for penetrating accounts and booking meetings with highly technical prospects in one of the toughest industries to crack. And he's done all of this for a startup that raised one of the largest Series A funding rounds in Europe ever. Welcome to Hey First Name and Insider's Guide to Outbound Sales. This is the number one podcast for proven cold outreach tactics that get replies and book meetings so you can quickly grow MRR without wasting time on things that don't work. If you've ever done outreach or lead generation into a variety of industries, you've likely come across a few that have highly technical prospects that are extremely resistant to sales messaging engineers, developers, data scientists, etc. They also might be in extremely complex industries that are difficult to break down in a sales email. My guest in this episode has developed a playbook for breaking into accounts in these highly complex industries with technical prospects who historically don't like dealing with salespeople. In the first half of the episode, we discuss how he rose from STR to head of sales development at his company by developing this winning playbook. And in the second half, we talk about how he took what he learned and built a lead generation agency to deploy his skill set and talent for other companies. And if you're looking to improve your cold outreach skill set and you'd like advice, guidance, and support from over 3,000 other agency owners, SaaS founders, and others who are doing the same, Go to morgandwilliams.com slash community to join the Cold Outreach Mastery Facebook group. It is free to join. I'm in there consistently dropping value, and it's a great place to level up your results with cold outreach. And if Facebook's not your thing, you can get tons of value by joining my newsletter. Head over to morgandwilliams.com slash newsletter and enter your best email address. By the end of this episode, you'll know exactly what it takes to book meetings in the toughest markets imaginable. Carlo Jemaitis is co-founder and COO of GrowTech. GrowTech is a sales development company that helps technology companies to accelerate revenue. They help clients to shorten sales cycles, scale prospecting, and access markets globally. Carlo, pleasure to have you on. Are you ready to dive in? Yeah, I'm ready. Happy to join here. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Let's do it. So what were you doing before you started GrowTech? Yeah, so long story short, my career started at, at PVK approximately five years ago. So basically, I joined PVK at the very early stages. I was the fifth employee there. So I started working as a junior SDR. So I've worked in that role for approximately a year or so, then climbed into the mid-management. So I became the first team lead there, managing five SDRs at the same time. Naturally, one thing led to another. Uh, we started hiring lead research department as well. So basically, I took over. So basically, afterwards, after approximately 
one and a half years. So basically, I climbed to the head of SDR because we needed exponential growth and support the business. At the time, so basically, I was managing five team leads. So in total, there are like SDRs, BDRs, LRSs. In total, it's like 35 people under my umbrella. And yeah, basically, this is how it started. Awesome. And just to get some background on PV case, so what does the company do? Yeah, so PV case is actually a solar, en- solar engineering software company, basically, that helps CPC developers uh, to design and engineer the parks, all utility scale parks quicker and more efficiently. So basically, in 2021, basically, we raised Series A round, which is 23 million USD. In Europe, that's one of the biggest rounds in the solar industry, basically. So this is what we actually do. We are expanding into other markets. Markets mainly are US, Europe, Australia. Right now, there are like 130 employees in total. I was the fifth one. So yeah, this is what BBKs does. Got it. So something was working, right? You guys are growing. You're hiring people. You're part of the sales development team. You're growing it. What was working for you guys or what's working now from a sales development play point of view? Like what were you guys doing to generate meetings, growth, sales? Yeah, what has been working actually. So we tried to, to pivot the business model, etc. Tried running a lot of A-B testings and etc. So that was the, one of the key aspects there. Like always, always running A-B testings. If you're facing 20% reply rate, try seeking for 25 and try finding out what's actually working. So basically always A-B testing, always personalization, uh, one of the key aspects there as well. Five years ago, it was working the spray and pray method. Mm-hmm. You're just scraping the list and firing all of the emails, right? The things are evolving, obviously. And in order to reach the mailbox to the inbox of the prospect, you have to basically personalize. So basically this is what we actually did from day one pretty much. Fortunately, so always trying extracting more information about the project that the company was doing or more information about the prospect itself, what kind of like hobbies, uh, not necessarily restaurants, don't do that. Not restaurants? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, don't use that. Like I see that you like pizza or something like that. It's not working. Too personal. Okay. <laughs> In my opinion, yeah. Sure. So just trying to understand, try stepping into the buy persona shoes, try understanding their KPIs, their responsibilities, and try resonate with your messaging, basically, to catch their first attention. So this is what actually worked pretty good and efficiently, basically. Okay, got it. So from a tactical point of view, you were always testing your copy, testing out different personalization, doing that deep research and due diligence on your prospects. From a strategic point of view, like stepping up a little bit higher level, how did you select prospects to target? How did you identify who would be best to, you know, deploy outreach against? What did that look like with segments and and, and different industries? So at PV case, are we talking slightly with PV case or generally speaking? Um, PV case. At PV case. So basically what actually has been working, so obviously, our main audience was design engineers. So you needed to craft the email that would resonate with the messaging to the engineers, designers, and etc. Then another aspect was as well, you have to understand what's the company 
in what kind of involvement and what kind of project stages are they in basically because they're like engineering companies that just consultancy and etc there are companies that are building parks so basically trying to understand the project's volume and scale basically so basically there were like two verticals based on the account so like more verticals but like engineering companies epcs developers and then consultants consultants engineering companies and on the biopersonal level, uh, so basically there were like multiple layers. So decision makers, obviously, head of engineering and stuff like CPOs. Then there were like mid-management, like project managers and stuff like that. And then we have obviously the, the designers themselves. So we had to build the outreach process around, first of all, the account types. And then we had to build as well the, the sequences based on the biopersonal level that would make sense and uh, they first of all they would open the email and they would like to respond to the email itself mm-hmm. so this is what actually was working at bbks and still working got it so that last part you mentioned understanding splitting out by different account types and then you were running essentially persona based sequences against those account types correct okay yeah. so like how would you talk to a project manager different than you would talk to let's say a designer as I mentioned in the very beginning, you have to understand their roles and their KPIs as what they're responsible for. Got it. So if you talk about the mid-managers, so they're responsible for project delivery, the efficiency, how their teams are operating, and the, the main objective is actually that they have to provide great tech stack in order the team members be, would be working efficiently. So, in, and as well, there's like some kind of like language tone that you have to be using for example, if you're speaking with engineers themselves, so you have to be, in our case, you had to be basically the, you have to be sending your contact very technical heavy, that you have to use some specific keywords that engineers or designers among each other are they using and stuff. You got to like speak that. their language. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Not necessarily just understanding their KPIs and responsibilities, but as well, stepping into like more deep technical stuff. Got it. Makes total sense. Makes total sense. So I think just to recap that for the person who's listening, trying to grab some tips from this, it all starts with that deep, deep research you all did and are still doing. Building that deep, deep foundation allows you to grow your outreach or grow results from your outreach. I'm trying to make a building analogy here, but didn't really put it together, but is what it is. Okay. Awesome. Now let's talk about grow tech. You're successful at building this team. The company's successful. Your strategies are working. Your tactics are working. When do you decide, hey, I should do this for other people and start GrowTech? I would say everything has started approximately three years ago. Mm-hmm. So we're based in Lafayette. All of the brains are based in Lafayette. So basically, some friends or some colleagues reached out to me and asked for like honest help. Like, so basically, extract, exchange the information, stuff like that. So basically, I started consulting other businesses of my friends, of my uncle's business, for example, and just spreading the word pretty much. Mm-hmm. And then naturally, one thing led to another, like more recommendations came. Co-founder and I, we kind of sit down together, together basically, and we were discussing. We have pretty good knowledge and good know-how, how top of the funnel is supposed to be built, how it's supposed to be functioning and etc. We kind of forced our venture together, our brains together, and this is how it started basically. And 
naturally, from my own perspective, I was owning a couple of like, small businesses that I had to shut down and pursue on to like employee, employee type of career. But I always wanted to have something bigger and pursue on something bigger, basically. So this is how it all started. Got it. I got to ask, what businesses were you running before that you ended up spinning down? Uh, uh, it was a couple of eBay e-commerce stores. I was as well in my school way, uh, school years. I was selling watches to my teachers. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> so man. that kind of not necessarily door to door OG, but something similar. Dude, yeah. I love that. I love that. It's the same spirit, right? It's the same type of entrepreneurial growth spirit. So I love okay. that. You're having success at PV Case. People are seeing that, so they're coming to you. So initially, this demand is inbound, right? You're getting referrals. People are asking for help. And then you start talking with your co-founder about how to actually put this together and put this in some sort of container for people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So my question is, I think the biggest difference between what you're doing or what you've done at PV Case and then GrowTech is that PV Case is one market, right? You're doing it for one market and you're able to spend time consistent time thinking about that market. And for this, you're serving a wider range of markets. How do you take that same due diligence process to these different markets that you're serving? Long story short as well. So basically there are a lot of like startup founders. So basically we're working with most of the time with the pre-seed, seeds, and sometimes series A round of type of companies. And they usually, they have Founders or co-founders, they're basically the very great tech geeks, basically, but they're not sure how to market their product fast, how to find the go-to-market strategy, how to find a product market fit, etc. In order to answer your question, basically, so there's like very good best practices that's working among other industries as well. Of course, you have to be not delusional that everything that that copy-pastes that works basically. Mm -hmm. Trying to understanding the ICP types by personas from our customer point of view, how, how we would like to deposition their product and etc. So basically then just crafting, crafting the, the entire process. So that's why it takes some time to build the process. It's usually two, three weeks in order to start the project and uh, the history basically. They're definitely best practices, what's working, what's not working, but you have been testing pretty much. Got it. So you are taking on one side this founder's knowledge that has deep technical expertise in what they have built on one side, and then you've got this sales and marketing actually getting it out to people, booking meetings, starting to build pipeline and business value on the other side, and you're bridging it with these best practices. Right. Yeah. And these fundamentals. So if a startup founder came to you and was like, hey, I need help. I want to start generating meetings. I have a B2B SaaS. What does it look like them working with you from that day one till when you launch until when you think until when you start seeing traction? Yeah. So a lot of customers that comes at us, they're saying, oh, like, for example, they are like European based companies and they're saying to me, Oh, we want to enter the U.S. market. So naturally, we started questioning. All right, so what are the companies? What are the ICP types, and etc. So basically, we're trying to pivot the product itself to whom we should be positioning the product. First of all, to what kind of companies? Is it to SMBs? Is it like enterprise? As well, other companies are saying, "Oh, I would like to sell to enterprises," but 
you should give yourself an answer is your product enterprise ready right. basically amen <laughs> yeah exactly amen on that there are no specific features for example they just want to position that way so basically always trying to pivot the product itself and naturally it's like um, toe-to-toe work finding out basically not necessarily the best practices but the workflow that would fit our customer so we working uh, sending isp forms sending buyer persona forms and then creating priority list is it like vap1 vap2 then buyer persona just mapping out the everything in the Miro board and then basically writing a content as well that would differentiate yourself from the competition stuff like that and then naturally a bit test on the initial message got it what are your testing intervals look like how much are you testing how much are you sending in terms of emails yeah or emails or i don't know if you're doing multi-channel i guess tell me we can start by saying like what does a typical sequence look like for you channels length yeah yeah we using omnichannel sequences obviously so email linkedin call calls as well so it really depends on the customer needs how they want to go aggressively into the market so usually we recommend not to over pushing the accelerator pedal too fast and uh, starting slowly so in terms of like testing we're usually starting with the 500 leads a month in order to to see what's the messaging is it working is it not working what kind of replies are we receiving if that's way too many negatives we have to pivot and we have to analyze why we're receiving maybe the messaging is not working so trying to extract as much intelligence not just oh we're receiving too too many negative replies all right let's pour more leads and that's pretty much it so we're trying to as well analyze what's working what's not and then yeah 500 leads a month approximately we can scale it to 1k afterwards once we see that the messaging is working that we targeting the right companies and we're targeting the right buyer personas at the right companies yeah so yeah yeah so you're starting slowly testing out a lot of different angles different copy trying to see what works and then increasing volume on what's working for you yeah usually one more thing mm-hmm. uh, usually when once we start with the client sequences there are like five to ten sequences going simultaneously basically in order to check and of course all of the leads are being distributed more more or less equally in order to see what's better working got it so you're starting out with like you said five to ten different angles that you're testing yeah one way could be like email first type of sequence and then another one could be a linkedin first sequence and then in the combination basic as well so okay to see which one the communication channel is working first loop in order to receive like much more traction at the very beginning got it do you have a methodology for how you test like copywriting in those sequences too can you elaborate on the on the question itself? Yeah. So um, at least for me, a lot of times when I'm writing, writing copy, I like to link an emotional trigger and use that like as a hook to form like the basis for my email or the basis for my con- communication. So things like fear of missing out, things like a competitor maybe gaining ground on you, positioned in the right way, you know this like it depends on what you're selling but like a different angle to hit like a different emotional trigger or when you write copy 
Yeah, we're kind of doing that similarly. Of course, it depends on the customer, but generally speaking, yes, we're doing that. And uh, we're trying to trigger our prospects basically based on the competition. So mm-hmm. we like adding competitors for each other, basically, that we know that they are competitors in that space, with that particular company or the tech stack or something like that. So we, we're kind of doing that. Not all the time, but as well, it really depends on the industry that we're targeting and the buyer personas. Sometimes you have to be really straight to the point mm-hmm. if you're speaking, let's say, with the, for example, engineers or CPOs. There's like no sugar coating. Mm-hmm. For, for this is what we actually notice through um, tens, thousands of emails. Got it. So, the essentially the the list you're reaching out to or the persona you're reaching out to is going to dictate the range of copy you use or like what you're testing out. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Tell me about a really tough campaign you were working on or a tough customer where you work on maybe as a tough industry, tough product to explain and how you kind of overcame that. Probably I would bring one example of the biotechnology company and uh, basically Mm. their um, AI based solution that analyzes if patients does have a possibility to have a cancer. And basically, we, we are targeting high-ticket accounts, Pfizer, AstraZeneca, stuff like that. Okay. So we were targeting hundreds of people from the same organization. So that was, was the cadence of the sequence just on the account level. So definitely, you have to be really knowledgeable about the keywords that are being used in such industry and how to reach the potential customer, etc. So that's one of the biggest challenges that we actually faced. So we didn't crack the code yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to admit that, but uh, still working. So I believe that's like fifth iteration with that particular customer and trying to find the sweet spot of messaging, how we should position that. Sometimes it's pretty complicated how to crack the code. Yeah. Some, if we speak about the SaaS companies, of course, it depends on the product. It's relatively easier to get into the market. But once you go into the like more technical industries, that's very like deep, deep tech, this is where the biggest challenge comes in place. And for companies that do not have big sales expertise, that didn't see a lot of products, how they were entering the market, sometimes it's becoming way too much of difficult to position their product as much efficient as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. I feel like it exists on a spectrum too, like at one end of difficulty with outreach, because like at one end, you've got these extremely technical, very dense information. Like you need to absorb a dense amount of information to understand it as even someone who's in the industry, like like you're mentioning these drug companies, like they're getting hit up with drugs all day, right? That's Hey, check this out. Check this out. That's just a part of their job. But still, to understand it, you have to read through. It's like in it, like analyzing a company and investment, right? It's a high cognitive load. And that the other, and there like usually a lot of like objections, technical objections that you always have to. Control so many more objections. You, there are a lot of like yeah, moving parts there. Yeah, yeah. You can't even like you have to go back and say, okay, we got this object. What does this mean? Like, what is this? And like, just work through it. And then at the other end, I feel what's really tough is commoditized services or companies or things that are, you can throw a rock and hit it. Like they're selling a lot of the same stuff. You know what I mean? Like just yeah. this typical services, which 
again, may have these differentiators about them and things that are different, right? Every company has unique advantages, but it's tough to relay that over email sometimes. And then in the middle is these like SaaS products that like maybe they they do one thing, maybe for one vertical, right? And it's like, I know I got to hit that point. I got to hit that pain point. It's just like a smaller scope, I think, to work on and you can develop it faster. Yeah. The winning messaging faster. Awesome, man. What's next for GrowTech? Where we at? Yeah. Where we want to be? Mm-hmm. We definitely faced a lot of challenges down the road. GrowTech is operating for like two years approximately. So we've been going through a lot from pivoting the business model, coming under staff for our customers as well. Changed the pricing model multiple times in order to save our assets <laughs> because of the cash flow issues, stuff like that. But right now, we are very well positioned. I would say we built very agile team that everyone are working toward the same goal. So we're not really dependent on the HR once we hire like more projects. Of course, we are, but we actually automated a lot of workflows, a lot of processes, stuff like that. So basically, customers are flowing. The recession is chasing us. So a lot of tech companies are laying off their employees, mm-hmm. etc. But they still have revenue targets, right? So they right now, they're more looking into the outsourcing sales development teams. And this is what we actually noticed, that they are coming at us. Right now, they need us more than we need them basically there you go so it's a good spot <laughs> to be yeah joining the party right now but yeah uh business is going very very well uh crushing the monthly quota for 150 percent of course we have to readjust our targets right now yeah <laughs> to more optimistic ones but um yeah as well we working with the accelerators with venture capital portfolio companies as well expanding into the other markets so, and launching a new product as well very soon. Nice, nice. How do you balance it with having a full-time job? I mean, it's tough. Uh, you have to admit that uh, sh- sitting on two chairs is difficult. So you have to sacrifice something, right? So working from nine to five in one, the, like full, uh, as a full employee at PVKs and then joining at six o'clock, as a grow tech as well as a full-time. So you are sacrificing your lifestyle, you're sacrificing your free time, sometimes your friends, your relatives. So this is where actually comes really difficult. Yeah, that would be the answer from my side. (laughs) Awesome. Last question for you. Tell me about the best campaign you ran. Just uh, what was the product? What was the four... Let's do for grow tech, like it doesn't have to be the best, but one that performed really well. Maybe you were surprised, you learned something interesting, you tried something they didn't think was going to work and then it worked really well. Like some one insight. I had just recently very good success with one particular customer. So they basically, they are selling the office management software for managing your meeting rooms, your work desks and et cetera. We started from the scratch. We started from building the ICP, building via persona, and et cetera, et cetera, mapping everything out, the entire process as well. Then we looked into the market, where we should go into. Is it like local market? Is it UK, US? So we started looking at the 
Google, Google campaigns and seeing what kind, how many specific keywords are like people are entering in the Google search. And we saw that, for example, in the UK, they're like crushing, basically. Everyone is looking for such solution for, for now because might be because of the COVID. COVID has ended and right now they're coming more into the offices and right now they hired a lot of people at the time. Right now they need to manage their office. So we selected as a go-to market to UK and we crafted the sequence. Can I say it's uh, perfect, but... It was 80% of the open rate and 66% reply rate. Nice. And just, we were not able to fulfill the lead generation, like lead list building and pour more more leads into the sequence. But that was a hell of a ride. So it was super simple. A couple of sentences of the the initial email because we knew that they are looking for something. The need was there. Yeah. And on top of that, we did... Uh, personalization on the company level. So we looked at that particular company, how many offices do they have, in how many countries, in what kind of countries. And we used those variables, those numbers or the countries, and set it into the email copies for every single person that we sent emails to. And that worked brilliantly. So the timing was great, the market was ready, and everything was fine. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Carlo, you can check him out at growtech.co. Growtech.co. Thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Morgan. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you're looking to level up your cold outreach game and you'd like advice, guidance, and support from over 3,000 other agency owners, SaaS founders, and others who are doing the same, Go to morgandwilliams.com slash community to join the Cold Outreach Mastery Facebook group. It's free to join. I'm in there consistently dropping value, and it's a great place to level up your results with cold outreach. And if Facebook's not your thing, you can get tons of value by joining my newsletter. Head over to morgandwilliams.com slash newsletter and enter your best email address. Until we meet again, please remember, outflow equals inflow. I'll see you next time.